Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. We're glad we're here this morning, aren't we? This is a good place to be on this beautiful day. And uh, thank you, Sheila. Lovely prelude. By Paul Dubois. So we're glad that you're here. And we have a song for you to help us sing this morning called Room at the Table. It has that most uh, Lutheran of expressions that uh, no matter where you've been, who you are, what you've done, it doesn't matter. You are all welcome here in this place this morning. So we're glad you're here. And um, special greeting this morning from Pastor Dennis and Jerry Hansen. You want to give them a wave. They might be watching at home. And um, so miss being here, but they love you all and send their greetings. Room at the table. There'll be some words on the wall. You can sing the yellow ones anytime they show up. And um, just jump on in. Room at the table. Let our hearts not be hardened by those living on the margin. There is room at the table for everyone. This is where it all begins. This is how we gather in. There is room at the table for everyone. Too long we have wandered, burdened and undone, but there is room at the table for everyone. Let us sing the new world in. This is how it all begins. There is room at the table for everyone. There is room for us all, and no gift is too small. There is room at the table for everyone. There's enough if we share. Come on, pull up a chair. There is room at the table. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, there is room at the table for everyone. Here and now we can be the beloved community. There is room at the table for everyone. There is room for us all. And If we share, come on, pull up a chair. There is room at the table for everyone. Sing harmony. There is room for us all, and no gift is too small. There is room. Our 
hearts and not be hardened by those living on the margins. There is room at the table for everyone. This is where it all begins. This is how we gather in. There is room at the table for everyone. Oh, room at the table for everyone. Room at the table. Room at the table for everyone. Morning. Morning. Let's do it again. Good morning. morning. Thank you. Thank you. I feel that helps me a lot to know that you're here. Thanks so much again for the music to start us off. It always kind of opens our heart and stirs our imagination a little bit. And that's a theme that you're going to hear throughout the service. There is room at the table for everyone. That's part of what we're about this day. So I want you all to feel encouraged as our worship does move towards the Lord's Supper, that that will be an important part of our being together as the church, as the family of God. And to all those who are out there like Pastor Jim and Felicia who are watching you right now. So it's not, yeah, you want to wave, don't you? <laughs> see, see, they're here. They're here now. Okay, all right, you're good. All right, got it. So we're thankful for your, your presence and we, for the joy that we have of being a church family as we gather and worship. And as you're able, I invite you to please stand. We gather here this morning in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have a call and response song, Come, Let Us Worship God. Come, let us
Kyrie is our prayer that we sing to one another. of praise we come to this place it has been some time since we sang this so if you find yourself getting a little lost in the middle it's okay you're in good company
I ask you to join your hearts with me in a word of prayer. Almighty God who searches our hearts, we thank you for planting in us the seed of your word. And by your Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with a gratitude and a joy in being able to lay claim to your name that we might receive your very presence with joy and that we would live according to it and that we would grow in faith and hope and love. And this would happen through Jesus Christ, your beloved, our Savior and our Lord. And the people of God say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I'd like to welcome up Mr. Doug Rohrbach. Doug and Ann are moving soon to Arizona. And so got to make sure that we get Doug heard here in church. So, Doug, come on up and share with us. Glad to have you here today. Doug, Doug Rohrbach. Well, good morning. This is an Alan Jackson song. I heard this a few years ago, and I really liked the words, and I thought, I have to learn that song. It's called Living on Love. Two young people without a thing Say some vows and spread their wings And settle down to just what they need Living on love she don't care about what's in style She just likes the way he smiles It takes more than marble and tile Living on love Living on love, buying on time Without somebody, nothing ain't worth a dime Like an old-fashioned storybook rhyme Living on love it sounds simple, that's what you're thinking But love can walk through fire without blinking No, it doesn't take much when you give enough Living on love Two old people without a thing Children gone, but still they sing Side by side on that front porch swing Living on love He can't see anymore She can barely sweep the floor But hand in hand they walk through that door Living on love Living on love, buying on time Without somebody, nothing ain't worth a dime Like an old-fashioned storybook rhyme Living on love It sounds simple, that's what you're thinking But love can walk through fire without blinking No, it doesn't take much when you give enough Living on love no, it doesn't take much 
when you give enough living on job, Doug. This is the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, and the reading is from the 25th chapter of Genesis. These are the descendants of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padam Aram, sister of Laban, the Araman. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, conceived. The children struggling together within her, and she said, if it is to be this way, why do I live? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, the elder shall serve the younger. When her time to give birth was at hand, there were twins in her womb. First came out red, all his body like a hairy mantle. So they named him Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand gripping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man living in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he was fond of game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff, for I am famished. Therefore, he was called Edom. Jacob said, first sell me your birthright. Esau said, I am about to die of what use is a birthright to me. Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and a lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went away. Thus Esau despised his birthright. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. I'd like to welcome uh, Jim Margard up to share a little music with us this morning about a wonderful world. that was made famous by a man born in 1901 in the most violent part of New Orleans. Uh, he, lived, uh, he lived and grew up in a small hut with a dirt floor with his little sister and mom 
abandoned by his father as a toddler, um, didn't have his first pair of shoes until he was a teenager, and was persecuted by the Ku Klux Klan uh, and, and the Jim Crow laws for much of his life. But even so, uh, he's best known for a song that really celebrates the joy and beauty in the world and the love in the world. So that man, Mr. Louis Armstrong, uh, made this song well known. Uh, what a wonderful world. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and for you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue, clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of the people passing by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies crying. I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than I'll ever know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world, oh, yeah. I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Jim, uh, that uh, was a very special song in our family, so thank you. God is good? All the time. All the time. God is good. Amen. God is good. Several years ago, in my former parish, I had a parishioner who about lost his mind during a worship service, specifically during the sermon. Specifically because in the sermon, I use the word plethora. <laughs> kind of rolls off the tongue. It's an easy word. Plethora. You know, it's kind of fun. Fun word. Following worship, uh, this gentleman in his most subtle, sensitive, Germanic way accosted me in the narthex and said, What the heck does that mean? Well, I'm so glad he's not here today. Because to the word plethora, 
I'm adding pithy. <laughs> and there's no S in that. P-I-T-H-Y, pithy. It means concise, direct, a clear statement, short, usually short, right there, you know. It's a word. It's a phrase. It means something, and it carries a, kind of a specific connotation. I can't imagine if he was here there because there might be a plethora of pithy statements that are going to happen today. Oh, I have such clear memories. Anyways. Now, here is an example of what I thought was a pithy question I asked. This is it. Now, doesn't that seem a relevant, pithy question to ask that? He did not see any meaning or humor in that, and I, I know the consequence. Okay, so that one's, all right, that one's pretty obvious. Here's a second one for you. I think this is less obvious. What is the author of this trying to say? Does this mean we're to have hope? Because someday we'll grow a brain or something like that? I mean, it's kind of... Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Chapters 5, 6, and 7 in Matthew's Gospel comprise the Sermon on the Mount. And it begins with the Beatitudes, which we know, blessed are the poor, the meek, they shall inherit, and those words that are important and so valuable to our faith. But chapters 5, 6, and 7 are the largest section of what we would call red letters in Scripture. There's a lot of Christians who call themselves, refer to themselves as red letter Christians because those are the words of Jesus. So if there is some controversy in Scripture, we go to the red letters because that's our authority. That's where we look. We look for Jesus and his words. And there, there are concise, pithy statements that we find meaningful, like, you are, you are salt. Oh, okay. You are light. Clear. There's a direction in that. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, you are to offer, offer, offer the left. Eh, clear, but I don't like it. <laughs> Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Ask, seek, knock, and it shall be given to you. We know these. We've heard these. These are forming in our faith. Enter through a narrow gate. There's a veritable, in these chapters, 5, 6, and 7, a veritable plethora of pithy, clear statements, concise statements about what it means and how we are to live our life. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. And so the gospel, the end of chapter 7, everyone, who, everyone then who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Now, Jesus, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as their own teachers. 
What is the authority that can come in someone's word that just cuts and speaks to our heart? What is that word? What is the authority carried in that word that illuminates for us suddenly life and faith and the story of God's claim on our life? House is a simile for relationship. It's not, it's not wood and timber. It's a relationship. So those who build their relationships on the rock of Christ shall be able to weather the storms of discontent and malpractice and failure and hurt and pain and all those things that come and will survive. Not only survive. And this is what's so important. It's kind of spoke. These are the last words in this section called Sermon on the Mount. They become a beacon of hope for everyone else traveling through life. That house endures. Why does that house endure where others are falling apart? The 127th Psalm, first verse. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Now, it was not uncommon for me to use these two texts, the one from Mark, or run from Matthew, and this one verse from the 127th Psalm, to use them in a wedding sermon. It's not uncommon at all. And so if, I, if any of you have any fantasies about me officiating at your future wedding, you're getting the sermon right now, okay? Uh, it's not going to happen. But anyways, be as it may. A wedding sermon service is basically a conversation between the presider and the two that are standing in front of him or her. Everyone else is just a witness to those words. And I would say to that couple that is gathered here, I would say, you have planned well. You have family, you have friends, you have people who have gathered here this day because they are grateful for the opportunity to be with you in the celebration of the commitment that you wish to make this day. But they don't know that they're here for another reason. They don't know that. You see, this is not the last day of planning for your wedding. This is the first day of planning for your 50th wedding anniversary. And when we ponder that, we wonder who will be gathered there. Family, children, grandchildren, friends, they will be gathered there because they will give thanks that your family, that your, the commitment that you made and that you lived out built on a rock has endured and has in fact shaped the course of history for eternity. See, this is more than just a wedding celebration that's happening here. Way more. Built on a rock. These three chapters of red letters of Jesus teaching about the life of faith, the life of faith where time all falls into Christ. Jesus reminds me, reminds us, again, things like he can't serve two masters. We should fast and pray humbly with humility, love our enemies. Lots of pithy teachings and examples which have obviously impressed that congregation, that community gathered there, that he had authority. Now, what does that authority look like? Included in this text this reading today is the first four verses of the eighth chapter. Here's what they say. Jesus had finished teaching, 
And he is now descending the hill. Walking straight towards him is a leper. Now you have to picture, the leper is defining, he's calling out, unclean, unclean, so people know. But according to Mosaic law, he is to step aside if a clean person who doesn't have disease comes. But he will not turn aside. Picture people picking up rocks and sticks and throwing them at him because to not give way is to, in fact, be subject to death. They pick up rocks and sticks and they throw them and say, get out of here, go on, get out of here. But he will not stop. But then they notice, as he is walking straight towards, Jesus is walking straight towards. Now picture the crowd gathered around him. Picture all the people that were up there that were so impressed by his teaching. He taught as one who had authority. <clears throat> what does that mean? What does that look like? What does it look like when the kingdom of God intersects with our human story? He comes up and he kneels before Jesus. And scripture will always translate it as Lord. But in fact, the more accurate translation is Sir. Sir, you can heal me if you want to. Sir, ma'am, ma'am, you can heal me if you want to. Jesus, four words, I do want to. And with that, he reaches out and lays hand, and there is this intersection of two worlds where there is no longer clean and unclean, but there is one world of the redeemed. What does the gate of heaven look like? Where do we find the gate of heaven? Well, first off, as we think about, as we, as we think about George's reading from Genesis, you know, Isaac's family, what do you know? He's got a dysfunctional family. Hello, you know. In the world of therapy, as a therapist, we, soon, we learned a long time ago, we don't use dysfunctional as an adjective for family. It's a synonym. You got a family, it's dysfunctional. And here's this magnificent story of twins born. One is cheats and connives, and the other is oblivious to the story of faith. And they go off, and there's all kinds of drama to their story. That's why I love reading that text. I love reading it. But what, how does it resolve? It resolves because there needs to be redemption. The two brothers, and this is the story of how God acts. They come together after some period of time, and there is this reconciliation that happens. Jesus instructs the leper to go to the temple that he could be restored. Go to the temple that you might make the appropriate offering, make the appropriate offering to Moses so that you could be restored to community and family. You see, it's always about the gate of heaven. The gate of heaven where these two worlds intersect is about being restored to the community, to the family. Where is the gate of heaven? The gate of heaven is right in front of us whenever we experience the world, whether it be in a person or in a, in a, in a global need or whatever it is, when it says, you could heal me if you want to, and we say, I do want to. That's the gate to heaven. That's where the two kingdoms intersect. That's exactly where we're called to live our life of faith out in that moment. And to believe that when we come, like in the Holy Communion, that we come before the table and we say... Lord, you can heal me if you want to. We trust in the hand of Christ that will be reaching to us through bread and wine where we can hear God say, I do want to. 
Now, this church is a generous, wonderful, loving congregation where we teach and we preach and we sing. Everyone is welcome. But yet, yet, sometimes some of us are harboring resentments toward others. We haven't quite forgiven that person. We feel somewhat justified in a position that is not reconciling. That's, that's what we live with, that broken, that's part of our human nature. But every time we say no instead of I do want to, the kingdom goes further away. It's not coming closer. Every time we say, yes, I do want to, the kingdom comes closer. And the two worlds intersect, and we are again renewed in faith. Here's the thing that's so important to remember. I can give you a material gift, but over time, that material gift goes away. It diminishes, loses its power. If you are given a spiritual gift, the more you use it, the more it grows in power. It's just the opposite of the world. It's just the opposite of life. Every time we're part of that holy dance that, say, that culminates with, I do want to, the kingdom of God has come closer, and we experience healing. You know, at seminary, I actually remember seminary. There's nothing like Berkeley in 1970. <laughs> I do remember some things, just for your information, okay? There's a story about that. You know, seminaries do a wonderful job of preparing pastors and deacons and those who want to serve to preach and to teach. But what seminaries generally do not do is they don't teach us to be healers. And that's what we're called to be. Jesus did not say, worship me. Jesus said, follow me. That's what he said. Follow me. When the world... In whatever, in every, whatever description comes to us, says, Sir, ma'am, you can heal me if you want to. There's a pithy statement that in our heart and our mind we say, I do want to. And the kingdom of God comes closer. In a few minutes, you're going to come and share the Lord's Supper. We're going to share it together again. Please come. Everyone is welcome. The bread and the wine, the body and the blood, in which our Lord, as we come before our Lord, here, follow me in prayer right now. Follow me in prayer. Holy and gracious God, you know what resides in our heart. We pray for your spirit to open us up to every place of darkness. To fill, us with healing, to fill us with healing and renew our courage, renew our courage that, we might follow you. that we might follow you. Amen. God is good. All the time. All the time. Amen. So now I know you, uh, most of you know this refrain. So do join in. Like right here. Reach out and touch somebody's hand. Make this world a better place if you can. 
To give encouragement to someone who's lost their way. Or would I be talking to a stone if I asked you to share a problem that's not your own? We can change things if we start giving. Why? and touch somebody's hand to make this world a better place if you can reach out and touch somebody's hand make this world a better place if you can just try if you see an old friend on the they're down, remember, their shoes could fit your feet. Try a little kindness and you will see it's something that comes very naturally. We can change things if we start giving. Why? end of each um, petition this morning, healer of our hearts will be the words, and your response is, hear us as we pray. We pause this day in prayer, O oh God, and lift our hearts to you. God, we know that you do wish to heal us. We know you can bridge the divides that separate us and bring our worlds together. May we have open hearts that allow your healing grace to circulate freely 
and receive your gracious love. Healer of our hearts, hear us as we pray. As we face the realities of polarization in our communities, country, and world, let us always lean on your words of radical welcome, of acceptance, of joy in community. Let us hear your encouragement to take the time and bear the risk of really getting to know those who differ from us, that we may fully understand and be understood. Healer of our hearts, hear us as we pray. Healing God, where there has been injury or wrongs have been done, may we work to repair wounds and treat every human being, all made in your image, with respect. Knowing we have much work to do, let us recognize communities that have historically borne injustice and be your hands and hearts of healing. Healer of our hearts, hear us as we pray. Bring healing and strength for those suffering from illness, physical, mental, or emotional, and those responsible for their care. Give comfort to the family of Marianne Bast as they grieve the loss of daughter Jess this past week. Hold them in your heart, O oh God. Healer of our hearts, hear, hear us God. as we pray. We give thanks that you have chosen to make us clean, that you desire wholeness for us in body, mind, and spirit. Give light to our eyes to follow your path of grace. Trusting in you, the healer of our every ill, we say, amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Please rise up. Go greet people. Share the peace of the Lord. Good morning. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for those enthusiastic greetings. It's always so wonderful to hear the, the love and the friendship that fills this space on Sunday mornings. And remember uh, to carry that into coffee hour following worship. We have a lovely coffee hour set up in the gym. Uh, you're all invited to, to stay and continue those conversations and fellowship together. We are celebrating two birthdays today. Uh, Joe McCloskey has recently moved to Issaquah, so Joe is worshiping online, so happy birthday, Joe. And Araceli Knox is here with us today, so happy birthday, Araceli. You want to give a wave? <laughs> and Araceli also gave these beautiful uh, flowers for us this morning uh, in gratitude for God's art and in celebration of her birthday. So thank you for those. They are beautiful. <clears throat> We have a card ministry today. Uh, you probably heard in the prayers, Marianne Bast lost her daughter, Jess. Uh, she passed away from cancer earlier this week. Um, there is a half sheet on the table in the narthex with Marianne's address. If you would like to send her a card or a note of care, let her know that uh, she's in our prayers and, and we're thinking of her and her family at this time. 
We have a concert coming up this Thursday, and I'm going to let Sheila tell us all about that. Um, Thursday, I have the great joy of having one of my dear friends from India here. He's been on tour and teaching in Canada and through the U.S. He's going to be in Seattle, and he's hopping over to Whidbey Island for one night to share um, the music form known as Drupad. Um, in Hindustani classical music, which is northern Indian classical music, um, that tradition is highly Persian-influenced. Southern classical music in India, Carnatic music, is highly Western-influenced, largely because of Portuguese colonialism and others. Nothing, you know, and the music is all beautiful, but within Hindustani classical music is this form, Drupad, which is an ancient, holy, sacred, devotional form um, that has been largely unchanged. It would have been sung in the court and in temple, and, um, and actually all of uh, Indian classical music is considered devotional. People perform it, otherwise we would never hear it, but it's not an entertainment, strictly speaking. And Chintan is a noble soul who runs a Drupad foundation in Vedora, in Gujarat, and I, he's been here once before, performed in my salon series. I've been there and performed with him. He's coming back. So Thursday night, by donation, seven o'clock, please come and experience what is essentially a musical prayer to God. In Drupad, every note is sung from the heart to God. I would just love to share this with you so much. Please come. Wonderful, thank you, Sheila. And uh, a few announcements about youth. We just returned on Tuesday from a trip to California. Uh, we had a group of eight of our high school students. We stayed at uh, California Lutheran University. You can see the sun was shining, so it was hard to get a great picture. That was the day that we spent at Knott's Berry Farm. We did get to go visit one of the beaches before we left for the airport in the morning. Um, and we had a fantastic time at California Lutheran University for the Western States gathering. Um, none of our kids are athletes, yet we chose to pose next to the large football player statue. So <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful trip. Uh, great opportunities for worship and learning and service and fun. So um, just another thank you to this incredible congregation for supporting our kids and our youth that we get to do such fantastic things together. Thank you. And then turning around tomorrow starts Vacation Bible School, a really wonderful week. Uh, we'll probably have about 50 kids of all ages here in, in the building all week. We'll be learning about God's love for us and how we can turn and spread that love in this world. So again, thank you for your support, and thank you for the Ruby Foundation, which is financing Vacation Bible School. Do we have any other announcements this morning? Then we continue with our worship service. All to participate in the mystery of God's love for us that comes in bread and wine as we see in the body and blood of Christ. In this holy exchange, the two kingdoms collide. And when we reach out, when we reach out to say, it, we are reminded our Lord through bread and wine, through his real presence with us mysteriously, he's saying to us, I do want to. And our heart is healed. I ask you please to stand as you are able.
In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. After giving thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body. It is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after the supper, he took the cup. And after giving thanks, he gave it for all to drink, saying, This is my blood poured out for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we share in this bread and drink of this cup, we share in the mystery of Christ's real presence, who is here with us now and who teaches us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven. Welcome. You are welcome to come and to receive and know that you are entitled and free to experience God's presence with you. Please be seated. The ushers will direct you. Take the bread, dip it into the chalice of your choice. The first one contains wine, the second juice.
you're not sure who you really are when all you feel is the shape of your scars and you have more wounds than you can count open your eyes look all around you aren't alone this is your home come and remember who you are here do this to remember who i am come and remember you belong here all belong here when you don't know how to forgive when locked doors seem like the only way to live and you've got more questions than you can count open your eyes look all around you aren't alone this is your home come and remember to remember who I am. Come and remember you belong here, all belong here. Oh, at this table, come as you are, broken and bleeding's okay. filled. Come and drink in this grace. Come and remember who you are here. Do this to remember who I am. Come and remember you belong here. All belong to remember who I am. Come and remember you belong here, all belong
Please rise as you are able. And now may the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the gift of his precious blood strengthen and preserve us, grant us grace and power and joy in the living of our life and the people of God's sake. Amen. And now that we have been renewed and refreshed, we leave this place to enter into ministry, those places where the kingdom will come close. And the question is, yes, we will say, I do want to. And God is blessed. And we are again reminded of how loved we are. With all that being said, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. And remembering all of those jellyfish who survived 650 billion years, we sing the hymn, Lord of All Hopefulness.
Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.